The Ready, Set, Grow podcast is sponsored by Ag Expert, software designed for Canadian agriculture. Visit them today at agexpert.ca. Welcome everyone to the Ready, Set, Grow podcast. My name is Joe Dales and I'm uh, one of the founders of RH Accelerator. Today, uh, our guest host is Fred Wall, one of our uh, great innovators in agriculture. Hi, Fred. Hi, Joe. And our special guest is Ray Bouchard, CEO of Enns Brothers, one of Canada's leading John Deere and farm equipment dealerships. So welcome, Ray. And um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're from and, and your journey becoming CEO of, uh, of Enns Brothers? Yeah, g- uh, good morning, Joe. Um, morning, Fred. Thanks for the, uh, the invite, Joe. I'll, uh, sure, I'll take you through a bit of uh, what my journey was in agriculture uh, here in Western Canada. Um, currently, I'm the uh, CEO and president of Enns Brothers. Uh, to your point, we're uh, an eight-store operation here in Manitoba. Um, we've got a, an area responsibility that covers over 5.5 million acres here in the province, which is uh, just over 50% of the arable acres. We're, uh, we're a John Deere dealer group, but uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about how we've evolved our business so that... Uh, uh, we started on a journey a number of years ago uh, to uh, move away from just being an equipment supplier to uh, really becoming a, a full partner with growers. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. But prior to that, I'll, I'll back up a step. Um, back in the 80s, I uh, worked for a manufacturing company in uh, in Manitoba. It was a small company that manufactured uh, granular herbicide and fertilizer application equipment. So I worked there for about 10 years and uh, in my capacity there, I was vice president of uh, sales, um, dealt a lot with equipment dealers from across Western Canada and the Northern Plains of the US. Also uh, spent a fair bit of time working with the crop input dealers. So that was my, uh, my first exposure to agriculture. So that was uh, I think back in 81. Uh, then into the 90s, I, uh, I moved into the distribution business for agriculture in Western Canada. I worked for a company at that time called Rambach, and we were uh, a Western Canadian distribution company um, dealing primarily with the crop input sector, uh, providing fertilizer application equipment, um, blending facilities. Um, and then in the 90s, if you remember, that's really when high clearance sprayers were introduced to the market. Mm-hmm. So um, I started there in the ni- early 90s, probably 91. And I can tell you, uh, we were the distributor for the Tyler sprayer, okay. which is now the CNH sprayer. And uh, I spent three years in an F Ford F350 flatbed truck with a trailer with a sprayer on it. And I traveled most of Western Canada um, demonstrating uh, the Tyler Patriot sprayer. So I was uh, early on involved on the introduction of the high clearance sprayers into Western Canada. So that was in the 90s. Um, and then in 1999, uh, at that time I was just an employee and I was looking for uh, an ownership opportunity and uh, I got to know a couple of the uh, principals in the Enns Brothers group. And uh, at that time, they were looking for an operating partner that was willing to make an investment in their Portage La Prairie operation. 
So I joined them in 1999 and uh, became the uh, general manager of their portage operation. And uh, from 99 till about 06, I was the store manager in Portage La Prairie. And then in 06, I joined the overall organization, uh, transitioned my investment in one store into uh, ownership of the whole group and became their uh, uh, vice president of sales and marketing. And uh, we continued to grow out the company. And then about three years ago, uh, the original founder's son, Vic, uh, retired. And so I stepped into his position. So I've been in agriculture for uh, since 81. Um, my takeaway or my highlights uh, from my perspective for me is that I was involved on in the manufacturing side. Mm -hmm. I was involved in the distribution side. And I'm now involved on the retail side. So I was kind of through all three of those areas as it relates to agriculture. And the other one that I think has provided me um, a lot of insight into where we should be going and um, maybe what some of the things are that we need to do differently was my exposure to early precision ag in the 90s. Um, and the challenges we had that adoption of precision ag in the 90s. Mm -hmm. There was starts and stops, and yeah. it was really a challenge. But if I had to summarize it is we never really had the tools at the field gate or at the, at the farm gate, field level, to actually really advance it. And the great news now is that we have those tools that are there, so. Exciting. So aside from being the CEO, I also, so I've been in agriculture for 30, 80s, 90s, oh, 40 years. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, I've taken a pretty active role in what we can also do to advance the whole industry. And, and I am currently a board member of Protein Industries Canada. Um, I also chair a not-for-profit group here in Manitoba called Emily, which I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about. But we were part of the original uh, work on the super cluster uh, yeah. initiative that came out from the federal government. There was a group of us in Western Canada that were working hard to make sure that agriculture uh, was successful in receiving some of that funding uh, for, for industry driven innovation. So uh, the Emily group partnered up with uh, Protein Industries Canada under one submission and we were successful and I continue to sit on the board of Protein Industries Canada, which uh, there's a lot of great work being done there. There's some pretty interesting projects, technology projects that are being funded. And there's a fair bit of capacity building work that is gonna be ongoing in the next couple of years that I think will really help position uh, agri-food as we go forward. The, the Emily Initiative here in Manitoba, it's, uh, where it's a not-for-profit, and it's really, its focus is around advancing the digital ag economy, first here in Manitoba and secondly across Western Canada. And uh, I, I was part of the founding member group of that board and uh, we've been able to get strong um, industry support. And about a year and a half ago, we were fortunate enough to put a program together uh, with the University of Winnipeg, and we've got a pretty interesting uh, project that we're working on with them around the creation of label data sets for crops and plants. 
that really uh, will become an open data set for tech companies, legacy companies in terms of the uh, advancement of ag tech uh, down the road. Perfect. So there's a lot going on there, um, but those, uh, that's where well, I'm at in agriculture right now in the role I'm playing. Thanks for your leadership on those. And uh, I think, you know, we'll want to have Bill Gruel on from, from uh, you know, pick and uh, yeah. learn more about that. And, and also Emily. So uh, we'll do a future show with them as well. Um, but yeah, thanks for your leadership uh, and driving those those projects forward. You know, it's uh, it's exciting for me to see some of the the innovation bubbling up. Yeah. So Ray, one of the things you had mentioned uh, right at the start is that is that you had a different vision for what the dealership could look like, and, and and you know, sort of diversifying the services provided. And so, can you speak a little bit to that for us? Sure, uh, we'd be happy to do that. Um, so I'm going to say it was in the it was in the mid probably 2007 2008. Um, I was fortunate enough to be part of a part of a of a, a key group of dealers um, that uh, had pretty good engagement with deer leadership around what their vision was for agriculture, uh, what the vision for the future of equipment was going to be. And it was, it was around then that um, we, uh, we were exposed to the fact that field equipment was gonna become all technology enabled. And so the ability to receive and transmit data in the field. And for me, that was the point where I had shared with you earlier how I said I was part of the early precision ag where it was all being driven by the crop input providers primarily. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were down to farming by the foot. I, I can still remember the Ag Chem soil action machine, which was a variable rate fertilizer application. But what was happening was, is there really wasn't um, enough tools for the growers to connect with um, those advanced practices to really be able to quantify what the results of that and what the, what the performance of that was. And so we saw a lot of starts and stops. And if you think about even in the 90s, the accuracy of the yield monitors and the combines were not very good. Mm-hmm. And so also at that time, um, not all growers had carts and, and scales like they do today. Mm-hmm. So your ability to really quantify your behaviors to really glean insights was really challenged. But when we um, when we started talking about what it meant for our business, now that equipment was becoming technology enabled, for us, what we realized was that we were really getting to a convergence point that had never happened in agriculture before. And that, that convergence was about the equipment in the field, the technology that's on that equipment and the enabling of that technology, um, and its ability to be a strong carrier for data. And then the last piece was the agronomy piece. And what we saw pretty quick was that they were now converged. And as an organization, we, we felt that to really advance production agriculture at the farm gate, you really had to be able to, to bring all those three together and have those connected and have a way to extract insights so that you could 
continue to change your business behavior to continue to improve, to optimize your business. And so for us, we were in the equipment space. We could sell equipment, we could provide the parts and we could provide the service. The technology enablement on the equipment, from our perspective, we needed to be able to bring on resources to be able to not just have a heavy duty mechanic, but have some pretty technology enabled uh, individuals working for us. So at that time we introduced what we call solution support people, which have way more technology skill sets and understand the application of that technology to the equipment. And then the final piece for us was the agronomy piece. What we were seeing in the market at that time was, is there were um, crop input suppliers or third-party consultants that were providing agronomic services, but there wasn't really a strong integration of all three pieces. And so we felt it was extremely critical for us to have that resource and that skill set in-house. And so what we've done is we introduced agronomy as a part of our service offering. And so we started back in 2012. Today we have uh, six full-time agronomists on staff. We've got approximately seven solution support people, which are really our, our technology and product people. And um, we brought that all together into our offerings for the customers. So really we're playing a different, broader role for customers. For some customers today, they still have their agronomists and they still have their third parties they're working with. So our focus now with those customers is around making sure that our equipment, the technology and the equipment is capable of collecting good clean data mm -hmm. so that their partners have access to it and they can, they can find a way to, to bring those three pieces together. Ray, when you first went to market with this, what, what was the response like from customers? Uh, so what we, so the first thing we did is actually is we conducted a series of about a hundred interviews with growers across our area. And we just didn't do a focus group. We had individual interviews and we hired a firm to do this for us. And we tried to do it in a way. And the way we positioned it was, is, okay, here's the role for our organization. Here's where we think we're going to go. And we actually got them to introduce the conversation around the agronomy. And it was interesting because at the very start of the interviews, they would ask the question about how do you see Enns Brothers role? Do you see Enns Brothers playing a role in agronomy? And I can tell you out of those hundred customers, 95 said that is not the role for that organization. Like why would they even do that? And by the time we finished the interview, and the interview process was meant to stir thought and to think about where we were and where we were going, that shifted dramatically huh. between the time we started the interview and the time we start, finished the interview to the point that I'd say 50% of the interviewees that we sat down with said, you know what, based on what you just talked about from a data collection perspective, from the importance of understanding agronomy and production as it relates to equipment application, that starts to make more sense. And the importance of data, that all started to cascade out. So we took that as, as a affirmation of the strategy and, uh, and kept, and then started building it out. 
what I can tell you is that we continue to, it's not our, the agronomy side of it is not our core, is not the main reason we're in it. It's so we can do a better job on the equipment technology side and bringing it all together. And at the foundation of all that now, that's what's really built out is the importance of good data. <laughs> so, cause we're gonna get in a conversation about where we're going with equipment in the future and it will be all about data and sensors. And so, um, so it's been a journey. We have a number of customers that are working with us on the agronomy side of the business, but it's much more than that. It's about um, tying all those pieces together and we continue to grow our engagement with growers on the data side. And we think that's one of the most important things we can do to really bring value for a farmer, so. And Ray, that, that actually, you may have anticipated the next, the next place I'm gonna go. I'm curious, you saw this coming in Precision Ag, the need for data for customers to have a different kind of support to deepen your relationship with the existing relationship you had. What do you anticipate is the most important change that all of us in ag and food are gonna to have to think about over the next five years? Um, so I'm, I'm gonna, you know, our business is primarily uh, crop production. Like I, I'm gonna, so I won't go to the livestock side. Fair I'll just enough. stay narrow here in terms of crop production. Um, we're being challenged um, uh, in a number of areas in production agriculture, whether it's uh, China deciding they're gonna put in a, uh, an embargo on, on canola importation. Um, we've got commodity pricing issues. We've got the price of equipment has really gotten expensive. So if you, if you take a look at the economics at the farm gate, um, growers are need to become as optimized as possible at the farm gate. So I'll just, if I, if I'll narrow in there first and then I'll kind of move out, I'll move out the chain after that. So one of the things we have to absolutely do is work with growers to try to best position them to optimize the resources they have today. And there's a lot of conversations we're having with growers about, it's not necessarily about growing the acres on the farm now, it might be improving the land on the farm. And it's about understanding which land, um, and most growers really understand this, um, which land can they get a quicker return on in terms of land improvements. And land improvements could be everything from surface water management, to tile subsoil, to irrigation, to regenerative ag. Like there's, it can continue on and on, right? But what's at the core of making good decisions that will get to the results you want there is good data. I, that's my perspective. And I really, really believe that for improved productivity at the farm gate, growers need to have a vision to a, a longer term data strategy. That's number one. In our, and we're having a lot of that discussion with growers right now. And it's a lot of growers are saying, okay, I can collect the data, but where's my real value? So then we get into conversations about, well, what we need to be thinking about is moving away from just being a bulk commodity producer to being a supplier to ultimately a an end consumer. And they're gonna have demands. Those demands are gonna back up to the processing side. 
From the processing, it's going to go to the buyer side. From the buyer side, it's going to go to the grower. So there are some opportunities for premiums today in the market. Um, not a lot. And I think that raises a level of concern or skepticism from the growers to say, like, I can do all this and there's some cost to this, but what am I getting for that? And, and, and my position with the grower is that, look, the tools that are now coming to market from the manufacturers are a lot easier to use in the process of collecting data. It is not yet to the point where it's simple push button and it's automatically done, but right. we're getting close. Like they are simplifying the process of geo-referencing, geolocationing, automation in terms of data collection. And then you have organizations like ours or others who will clean the data and make sure that, that your data is, um, is really reflective of what took place. So then you can get accurate insights. Um, and what we're telling growers is you need to be thinking out five to 10 years. So if we think about data, maybe there's an opportunity for premiums. But to get a premium, you're going to be able to prove out that you have produced the crop in a certain way. So if you have your data and strategy in place, you'll be able to prove that out, number one. Number two, I really believe that farm policy the federal government farm policy is going to evolve and change in the next five to 10 years. And at the very core of that is going to be leveraging and making better decisions around and using data. And so if you as a grower can capture your data and the more data you have, that's good, clean data, you're going to be best positioned to take advantage of whatever that farm policy might be. Really interesting, Ray. So, so then if you're a producer listening to what you're saying, then, then it's really you're collecting the data to give you the possibility of premiums, to give you the possibility of future compliance, right? Even if, even if we can't guarantee any of those outcomes, well, Greg, you know those outcomes out. are not possible unless you've got a good data stream. Breaking out of the commodity stream, right? Value-adding, yeah, differentiating. You're breaking, absolutely. And so this is the conversation we've started to have with our growers. And I know, Fred, I've had conversations with Darcy at FCC. And your, your conversation is maybe a little bit different with, with them in terms of the terminology, but I think we're on the same page. We're talking to our, to our growers to say, you need to treat your production data as your intellectual property. Absolutely. I think if you can think about it that way, Mm -hmm. then you are in control of that and you will be able to extract the optimum value that you can going forward. Maybe in the form of premiums, maybe in the form of compliance, uh, maybe in the form of having access to uh, new crop varietals based on out output and, and uh, compliance through that. So there's a number of pieces attached to that. So I just, and I think in the past there's been too often growers um, have been asked to work with companies on the data side that, um, and I think it's, I think it's evolving. I think it's certainly evolving and there is more and more of a recognition right now that grower production data should is, is his grower production data and he needs to decide where and how he can really leverage that data to uh, bring value to his organization. 
So that's, from my perspective, of everything else that's going on, and we can talk lots about where equipment's going and new equipment because that's shiny and exciting and everything. And I could talk about the new X9 combine and all yeah. its increased capacity, <laughs> yeah. which which gets a lot of a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. But my vision, our vision as an organization, is that to better to best prepare our customers for taking advantage of opportunity in the next five to ten years, you need a clear, strong data strategy at the farm gate. And then you're in control and you can take advantage of any opportunity that comes your way. So from my perspective, that would be one of the biggest challenges and opportunities we have as we look out five to 10 years. That's really thought provoking, Ray. Thank you. Yeah. And I, and I, and I would, what I would add to that is now I'm going to shift to the rest of the value chain and where, where I believe, again, our challenge and opportunity is, and it's, it's around how do we do a better job of integrating, collaborating, and thinking about data across that value chain. And I know, Fred, we've had some other conversations, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of initiatives going on right now, but that is really, unless, so the growers can do all their work at the farm gate, but we need to be able to connect it through the value chain. And I think there's a lot of activity going on there right now, but what we all need to do as an industry is be open to saying, we're not going to be able to agree to one strategy, but we should have a pretty good line of sight to this roadmap on where we are going and what we want to achieve in a collaborative, collaborative, engaged environment. So, I think it's really important for for younger companies to that may may be wanting to play across that entire value chain to hear that Ray. That yeah. you know the data is the farmer's intellectual property. That's a that's a wonderful framing, yeah. and also that while we all want this, we got to make sure the producer is a is a partner uh, the whole way Absolutely. the whole way along. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, uh, Ray. You certainly gave us lots to uh, think about, and I think I'm excited like you. Um, the potential of value adding to our farms with with data um, and analytics and and you know as the future even gets more complex with machine learning and AI and um, yeah it wasn't two year many years ago where you know we had data everywhere but it was stranded so you know the internet of things and connectivity now we're starting to unlock you know some of that great potential. Um, I think we better leave it here for today. Um, this was, uh, this was terrific and congratulations on all your, your success and your, your leadership and vision with ENDS, uh, helping farmers, you know, unlock some of that potential. Um, any last words, uh, Ray or Fred? One of the things I wouldn't mind if we just had a few minutes, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd like to talk about the Emily Initiatives Conference. Okay. That's, that's upcoming in November. Perfect. And it's, um, so we have, we had scheduled this conference for June of this year and we've had to push it back. And so now we're scheduled for November the 4th. Okay. And the conference theme is around, there's been a number of conferences and meetings around talking about the disruption in agriculture. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, we talk about technology and we got all this stuff that's coming at us. Our our approach to this conference was a little bit different. It was around, we know we've been disrupted. So now 
how do we have a better conversation about what actual next steps we all should be taking to actually move this along? And so our approach is to engage growers. So we, uh, we're looking at some pretty strong participation, certainly from those growers that are extremely progressive as it relates to data. Um, because you're going to find the theme of this is, uh, which also is a theme that John Deere uses, uh, by the way, which is data is now the fuel. Data is not the exhaust because that's how we've treated data for years. Mm -hmm. It is now the fuel and it will drive innovation. Mm -hmm. It'll drive equipment development, prop, uh, productivity, etc. Mm -hmm. So the conference is focused on all of the industry and all of the value chain. So we're going to have growers, we're going to have uh, buyers, we're going to have processors, and we're going to try to find a way to get um, uh, packaging or consumer uh, component of it as well. So we're planning to have a, both a live and, in, and a virtual component to it, depending on where we are with COVID-19 at that time. Mm -hmm. um, we're pretty excited about this first conference. Um, we're, you're going to see some panel discussions around how we can drive data connectivity and collaboration. We've got Todd Jensen, who is uh, the uh, initiator around ag data transparent out of the United States, which has now been adopted by organizations like FCC and John Deere. And so we're pretty excited about that. And uh, we think it's going to actually uh, help crystallize the roadmap and actually bring collaboration. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about skills and talent. One of the areas I wouldn't mind talking to you a little bit about, Joe, is mm -hmm. on the startup, on the ag tech side and mm -hmm. MenCap and mm -hmm. acceleration. How do we support that? Perfect. And so it's, uh, it's a one-day event. Um, and we're looking forward to, uh, to launching that event coming up in November. And we'll have more information coming out from Emily. Good. We'll add the, uh, the the website link to the bottom of this and help promote it as well. Yeah. So right now, if you go to agenlighten.ca, I believe you can see it. But I just chatted with uh, Jacqueline, who's our director of policy at Emily, and the link will be on the website here shortly. So perfect. We'll make sure we can. Help, and I got to I got to give a plug to FCC because they are going to be the title sponsor of the conference. So we're looking forward to it, right? You bet. Absolutely. Well, thanks. We got lots uh, more we could talk about in a future podcast. You know what? Like. We're gonna we're gonna do we this will. again. <laughs> this was a okay. this was a lot of fun, and appreciate uh, appreciate your feedback and thoughts, Ray. And same to you, Fred. Um, thanks, thanks, Joe, for joining us. And uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll have links to ends and and uh, Emily on the uh, you know underneath this uh, video when it's ready to go. That's excellent. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate it.